0: are you now <laughs> dare I ask it was one of those games man uh, your Montreal Canadiens lose 5-0 to the Ottawa Senators Ooh, hello and welcome folks to episode 50 the big 5-0 of the bottom six minutes podcast currently presented by Habs Eyes and the prize soon we'll see we got some irons on the fire right now. I am Matt Drake, and uh, that sucked big time. And it was the first of a back-to-back against Ottawa. Not the kind of back-to-back that you're used to, 2-2, and right? It's not like they're playing tomorrow night. It's not going to be until Tuesday. But we got two games against the Senators there. And uh, as an opener, that was definitely not super encouraging for what we're going to see on Tuesday night. But, you know, they get a couple of nights off to regroup, uh, see how they come back. We saw the debut of Owen Beck, in the NHL and with the Montreal Canadiens in the regular season uh, up on an emergency recall. Definitely going to talk about him uh, after the recap there. But uh, let's get into the recap. Alright, we got to do it. Uh, five goals against. Not going to be super fun for me or for anybody listening. That uh, and, and Unless you didn't watch the game, then maybe you want to hear you know, how things went. Uh, how they ended up getting scored on. But if you watched it, uh, you know as well as I do. It was not a very entertaining affair for the Habs fans out there. And... Uh, Might not be super entertaining to recap either. But anyways, I'm going to give it a go. Um, Right off the bat in that game, I felt kind of good off the start because within the first two minutes, you could hear audible Go Habs Go chants, which is kind of a hallmark of games in Ottawa. We know Habs fans travel pretty well. Um, We travel pretty well almost everywhere in the league, certainly uh, in a building that's only about two hours away from Montreal. Yeah, Habs fans travel fucking fantastic to Ottawa. It's very easy for us to get there from Montreal And uh, they were there in droves. But, you know, the first period, um, I would also say, equally encouraging as the go-habs-go chance that you were hearing in the first two minutes. I mean, it was pretty back and forth. And the Habs were definitely getting to the slot more, getting the better chances. If you took a look at natural stat trick after the first period, the heat map for shooting showed a nice block for the Habs right in the low slot was where they were getting their chances. But Anton Forsberg and Nett for the... um, for the Senators was fantastic. Uh, Samuel Montembeau was very good in for the Habs as well. The shots were actually 10 to 8 in favor of the Senators. Again, Habs were getting to the slot more. The Senators were getting more rubber on that. So really, I call that first period a wash. And it was a wash on the scoreboard as well. This is 0-0 after 20 minutes. Zip, zip. But in the first 30 seconds of the second period, Ottawa gets a two-on-one. Uh, Arbor Jack kind of blows a tire. catches an edge in the neutral zone, falls down leads to a two-on-one with Alex DeBrincat and Ridley Gregg. DeBrincat keeps it. That's a smart decision. He snipes it off the post and in, makes it 1-0. Montreal would get the first penalty of the game in that second period, Uh, literally a nothing play where Mike Hoffman gets called for hooking. Um, I didn't see anything there. It was a ridiculous call. Uh, But the Habs managed to kill it off. But then, as soon as they kill that off, they get another 10-ply call in favor of the Senators. This time... Kirby Doc just touches Jake Sanderson like on the shin pad and he does a fucking Superman dive into the air. Almost face plants himself on the ice trying to sell a call to the ref. And guess what? He did a pretty good job selling that call because the ref made the call. He bought it. And um, this time the Senators cash in. So I guess uh, goes to show. There are some rewards for diving out there, kids. Uh, <laughs> Ridley Gregg. On the power play, it makes a really nice cross slot pass over to Claude Giroux, and he makes it two to nothing. And then shortly after that, it's Claude Giroux again. This time, he's actually trying to find Ridley Greg in the slot. Uh, he's throwing a pass again down and cross slot, and it bounces off of Arbor Jacki's skate and directly into the net. Real rough period for Arbor Jacki. Just a heck of a lot of bad luck for him. And it's three nothing for the Senators. That's your score after forty. Not a whole lot going on in the third period. Certainly nothing to suggest that the Abs are going to storm back into this game, but they're not playing bad. Um, it was just kind of a, mostly a nothing period, all the way to the end. And then at the end of the period, Habs get a power play. They go six on four, but they just can't get anything going. They get a couple of chances, but it wasn't very inspiring. Like At one point, they had a cycle going up between Rem Pitlick and Mike Hoffman up near the top of the circle on the right-hand side of the zone. I don't know what you're doing there, but you you got to move the puck down low, get it back up, you got to get cross-ice movement. Having those two guys skate around in circles up at the top of the face-off circle is not going to do anything, and it doesn't do anything. Even worse, Metsir Joseph scores on a 180-foot bank shot off the boards. Keep in mind, Habs' net is empty. Joseph just kind of banks it, and he's just looking to get that puck down the ice and clear it, but it goes in, and that makes it 4-0. And then just to add insult to insult... Derek Brassard uh, gets a late weird one where it's like a Hail Mary sky shot pass that lands weirdly and fools Justin Barron a little bit. It gives Brassard a breakaway, and he snipes top corner. 5 nothing is your final. Yuck. Not a fun game to watch as a Habs fan. I think we all need a little positivity after uh, going through that terrible game. So I'm going to start with your silver lining of the night, and I, I think everybody knows where I'm going to go with this one. i got to give it to Owen Beck. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that he had you know, the this crazy dominant effort for an 18-year-old playing his first NHL game or anything like that. I'm not going to oversell it, but what really stood out for me with Owen Beck is that he did not look out of place. He had a chance actually in the second period at one point where he got the puck right around his own blue line. He goes all three zones. Really beautiful skating. He's mixing in some solid crossovers to gain himself some speed, uh, showing really good puck protection, really nice edge work as he comes in on the offensive blue line as well. Gets a shot off, misses the net. You know, some of that fine-tuning, it comes with more experience in the NHL. I felt like the game he played, um, being asked to come up out of junior like that, that's a huge jump. It's a huge jump for almost everybody that does it. There's very few guys that come straight up. It's just those generational players that can go straight up and have success right away. Everybody else needs some kind of a marinating period, right? And he he didn't get that opportunity. He comes up first NHL game. Uh, you're going up against a team that just curb stomped Toronto the night before. They're starting to find their you know their their top gear at this point. The Ottawa Senators are, and you got to come in with a team that's decimated by injuries. Has a bunch of farm team guys on the roster right now, and you gotta step in there and you're playing on the third line. Um, I thought he did admirably. Um, he did not look out of place. That's the key, right? I really believe this guy's gonna have a legitimate shot at cracking the roster for the Habs next year. I don't know if he will. Um, I think it's gonna depend on, you know, who they add in the offseason as well and who they subtract, right? There could be a very different-looking Montreal Canadiens team at the the next training camp, and he came close to making the Montreal Canadiens at the 2022 training camp in September. So if he can keep up his level of play, if he can keep all that good 200-foot defensive responsibility, uh, he's excellent in the face-off dots, man. Even at the NHL level, he's excellent in the face-off dot. If he can keep all that up and maybe just fine-tune it a little bit, right? like that shot on the chance that he had, if you know when to release that, if you know, hold on to that a little bit longer and get a better shot on goal uh, and get it on goal, of course, things like that are going to make you invaluable to a team because you know that he can play fantastic defense. The offensive aspect of his game is something that's always been under development. He's been showing it a lot at the OHL level this season. And, you know, we saw glimpses of what could be in that game. So, really encouraging overall debut from him. Uh, I think he should be proud of himself. And, um, I hope that they keep him for Tuesday's game against the Senators as well. I'd like to see, you know, I'd really love to have the ability to analyze two different games and see did he make some improvements, right? Again, super encouraging, but what I'd love to see is, you know, he's a guy who learns very fast. He was the Scholastic Player of the Year in the OHL last year. I'd love to see what happens. He gets the same team a couple of nights later. Maybe that computer of his up there, he figures out, how to put a couple of extra plays together, and next thing you know, he's finding the score sheet for the first time before they send him back to Peterborough. So, I mean, again, very encouraging game from him. I liked it, and um, uh, I really hope that they give him one more before they send him back. That's all I can really say. Liked it. And I'm going to stick with positivity uh, for a couple of minutes here before I get into some performances that were a little <laughs> a little less positive. But uh, Kirby Dock. Played a very good game as well. Uh, I was super impressed with him. He was buzzing out there, uh, created a lot of chances. Uh, I was shocked, you know, that we got into the third period without him having put at least one in the net. Um, he's really been coming on lately. Now that he's getting the opportunity to play at center as well, it's uh, it's a bit it's it's interesting because during the early goings of the year, I never would have found myself saying I'm glad that he's playing at center. But now that Cole Caulfield's gone and they can't have that you know star line together anymore. It makes sense to try him out at center and to use him there as much as possible and find out what can he do, who can he play with. So far, uh, the, the returns are great. Uh, he played an excellent game. He's one of the best forwards on the ice, if not the very best forward on the ice for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, this, is, this is good news. This is something that, uh, you know, it's starting to make Kent Hughes look like he might be a genius for that trade. I think it's going to take some time. We're going to have to see how things play out with the other players that were involved and the pick that was involved in that trade, but... Uh, so far, I got to say, you know, Doc has already set a career high in points in less games than he's ever played in a full season. Well, that's not true. I think in his rookie year, he, he didn't play very much and he got sent down. But the, the point being, he's set a career high in a career low amount of games. So it's it's going well. Uh, the trade's looking good. And uh, that is a very good sign for the rebuild. I would also like to single out Evgeny Dadonov and Mike Hoffman. I actually thought they played quite well. Two guys who I'm kind of hoping are trade bait when the deadline rolls around. Uh, Mike Hoffman, I've been hard on him this season. And, uh, you know, he got that bullshit penalty in the, in the first period. That's not his fault. That's the refs making up a call for whatever reason. And... Um, then he did have that stupid little cycle thing that they were doing in the the six on four power play with Rem Pitlick that I talked about during the recap. I don't know what that was, but I don't blame him for that. Um, I, I think the Habs have a structural issue when it comes to their power play, and I, I don't think they've. I, I would assume they probably haven't practiced very many six on four power plays. Um, so I just think that was a weird one. But overall, he actually played a really good game. He had a really nice skate uh, through the neutral zone at one point. Uh, gets into the offensive zone and just barely had the puck roll off his stick. I think he was about to shoot it, and it was from a spot where I think he would have had a pretty good shot at at getting it in. So, I don't know, good game. Uh, keep it up, Mike Hoffman. And then uh, Dadanov, same thing. You know, he might be tough to trade at the deadline. We haven't seen enough from him this season to really warrant a trade or to warrant anybody paying anything significant in a trade. But if he keeps up having games like that, I think it's going to make a difference. I think there's a possibility that someone out there bites for Dad enough. I don't know. I just I, I hope that there is because it would be so good to have that you know the continuation of the PK Subban trade tree and see what else can we get in terms of assets. Uh, we know Shea Weber's never coming back, uh, as far as we know, anyways, for the Vegas Golden Knights. So it would just be fun to see that trade tree expand a little bit for the Habs. And I think that uh, a big part of him looking so good in that game was the fact that he's skating on Kirby Dock's wing. Uh, like I said, Doc was <clears throat> probably the best forward for the Montreal Canadiens in the game. And he definitely helped uh, Evgeny Dadanov a lot. And Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman was the other one on that line. So I guess I could have just said, instead of talking about them individually, that top line for the Habs, essentially the top line, de facto. I think they played a little bit more than Suzuki's line. But regardless, they they looked really good, and I think a lot of that was uh, you know you had to credit Kirby Doc for that. What I didn't like, so let's get into the performances that uh, concern me a little bit, and we'll start with Mike Matheson. Um, I don't know what's going on with him lately. He's been really up and down. Like he's had some games where I, where I look at him and I go, wow, you know he's. But ever since that game against who was it, it was Tampa, where he landed that bump back high hit on Corey Perry and knocked him out of the game. And the rest didn't make a call on it, and then uh, I think we get fined 5K for that one. Ever since that, it's like he's been playing with some weird chip on his shoulder. Like he's he's a little too petulant out there. It's and it's it's affecting his game. I mean, he was far from being a positive possession player on the night. Uh, he made quite a few questionable decisions with the puck. His positioning without the puck was also highly questionable. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. All I'm saying is, ever since that game against Tampa, it seems like he's taking a turn for the worse. And I'm not a big fan of it. I have a question, which is, is the guy playing injured? Is he playing injured? We know... They've had players playing injured this season. I'm not going to sit here and rant against the coaching staff or the training staff or anything like that. I know there's a lot of people out there on Twitter and stuff that have been talking about it. Um, maybe we got some concerns. Are we supposed to be concerned about our coaching staff or our training staff right now, given that we know multiple players have been allowed to play with injuries? I generally take the stance that you know professional athletes have a say in whether or not they get to play. If it's not something that they're medically exempt from playing i think a lot of players kind of force the issue a little bit um and i think that's probably what happened with cole caulfield maybe and again i'm spitballing here i have no idea i wonder is mike matheson still nursing something if he is my suggestion would be shut him down all right shut him down we've seen the success that you can have by bringing up players in the laval rocket by utilizing your emergency recall Right, I was clamoring for that emergency recall a couple of episodes ago. Now, to be fair, I was talking specifically about bringing up Joshua Hoa, but I believe I mentioned Owen Beck. And Look, you bring him up, you get an opportunity to evaluate him, you're probably going to get one more opportunity on Tuesday, and you get to find out where he's at and what he can do in the NHL. Same thing with a defenseman. I don't know. Do you want to call up Logan Mayu? That might ruffle some feathers, but... Uh, <laughs> If you're gonna if you're gonna run emergency recalls I mean why not why not who else could you call up I don't th- I think William Trudeau is on a AHL only deal with Laval so I don't think they could bring him up but I'd love to see him if it's possible. I gotta check that. Actually, maybe that maybe that's the next thing that I should rant about on the podcast is that they should bring up William Trudeau. But the the, the point here, I'm getting off track. The point here is if you have players that are hurt, you got to do whatever you can to shut them down. And I'm I'm looking at Matheson and I'm wondering if that's not the case. You know, hard for me to make a determination there. Moving on. Other performances that didn't really impress me. uh, Christian Dvorak. Uh, Christian Dvorak had an opportunity in the third period. He was standing right in the slot. Puck comes to him and he doesn't even get a swing at it. He seemed like he had his head in the clouds, man. Um, he was just not fucking in that game at all. And it showed, you know, not only in the stats, but also just visually, just watching him out there. It, it did not go well for him. So um, I don't know. I'm not worried about him. I think he's pretty solid. Um, I. I do wonder if he's going to be trade bait as well when the deadline comes around. I think there's going to be interest in him. He's got pretty decent stats this season as a whole. Um, He's got pedigree. Uh, He was already traded for by the abs for a first round pick. I don't know if they're going to get another first round pick back, but uh, you know, it'd be interesting if they could sure. It'd be interesting if they could, but at least Justin Barron played. Okay. I don't blame him for that last uh, goal there. That was just a weird moonshot of a fucking pass. that just lands and, flutters around on you and you can't figure out where it is Um, I guess let's end it on a positive note the fourth line quote unquote fourth line Michael Pizzetta, Alex Belzil, and Raphael Harvey Pinar again very solid game out of them if you look at natural stat trick and you're looking at the possession stats like you're gonna be disappointed if you go there because even some of the guys that I talked about that I said had good games they didn't have good possession stats the Habs they got roughly out-possessed by the Ottawa Senators in that game. But, again, that fourth line, looking like considerably better than they should be at the NHL level. These are three guys that have spent almost the entire season either scratched or with the Laval Rocket. And this is clearly a level at which they can actually play. And I really hope that even when people start getting healthier again, I hope that they kind of start... Making some trades so that they can see where this goes and let them have more time. Like I said with Owen Beck, you know, the transition to the NHL for most players, it's not I come in on my first day and I do fantastic, right? You have to be an extremely good player for that to be the case. Sometimes you you get players that come in like Ryan Paling, score a hat trick in their first game and then they kind of disappear after that. Not that he disappeared, I mean, he's still playing, but, you know, he didn't score a hat trick every game he played, did he? Right, you need a bigger sample, and that fourth line. I want a bigger sample of that. I want to see more of those guys. So I'm hoping, really hoping, that coming out of the All Star break, the Habs start looking to make some trades. I think it's necessary uh, for the future of this team to start evaluating more young players, um, and I'm really happy that they're doing it. So honestly, uh, I guess as one final positive thought, you know, they may have lost five nothing, but I like the direction that they're taking here. Number one, this is good for the tank. So, anybody who's on Team Tank, you're probably smiling about that loss. Maybe you would have liked at least for the Montreal Canadiens to score a couple of goals in the loss, but uh, you're probably smiling about the fact that they that they did not get another two points in the standings in that one. Um, and it will help the the lottery odds at this point, anyways. And then, and to top it off, they are finally, you know, really putting a focus on development, putting a focus on trying out young players, giving them an opportunity and seeing what they can do. So this is good. It's the first step. Or maybe not the first step, but it's a step towards completing the rebuild. What are we running? We're running, uh, oh, about 20 minutes, just over 20 minutes right now. So, we're on Spotify, we are absolutely on Spotify, we're on Apple, Google Play, we're not on Megaphone anymore. What you're gonna need to do if, uh, you're looking to find this podcast? Is head over to my Substack. I mean, if what am I talking about? If you if you're listening to this, you already found the podcast. But you can head over to my Substack, and you can follow me on there. It's just mattdrake.substack.com. Uh, I will also be posting some articles there as well. I'm not putting too much work on Eyes in the Prize anymore at this point. Um, I will have an article out there to accompany this podcast, but then uh, a lot of my other work is going to be going through the Substack. So. Maybe some interesting stuff coming up soon, specifically surrounding prospects. We'll see. So mattdrake.substack.com. Give me a follow over there. I would really appreciate it. You can do it for free. I'm never going to paywall anything on there. And, of course, as always, follow me on Twitter at DrakeMT. I would appreciate that very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.